May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> the singer Carney Wilson said about her group, we all come from dysfunctional families. These days, I guess, that's pretty normal. The author Sue Grafton wrote, people talk about dysfunctional families, I've never known any other kind. The religious writer Robert Barron wrote that the human race is all one big dysfunctional family. The magazine Everyday Health had a headline, The Dysfunctional Family, The New Normal. The poet's Mary Carr, yeah, said a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person in it. So, how's your family? I could stand up here and quote all sorts of stats about marriage and divorce rates, uh, cohabitation, children out of wedlock, but, but you know our families are in trouble. The family is under attack. Our families are under attack. And all too often, we're losing. But God gave family as, as a gift, right? I mean, we saw it in the first lesson as God brought the gift of a wife to a very appreciative husband. Marriage and family is a grace of God's goodness. But then you know how sin tore that all apart. Remember? Remember when God confronted Adam on that first sin? Remember what he did? That, that bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh that he was so excited about was suddenly that woman you gave me. She made me do it. Dysfunctional family exhibit A. And then in our gospel, it was the religious leaders, right? The Pharisees that were asking Jesus if it was okay to get a divorce even though they knew what God said. And if, if you're unclear on what God says about it, look up Malachi 2.16 where he says, I hate divorce. Just their asking the question showed how dysfunctional their, their families were. Where's my out? Now you heard Jesus answer. What God has joined together, let no one separate. So now bring it to our day and age where divorce is just about as common as not, where so many people are just throwing marriage out the window, living together without it, having kids without even considering it, or throwing away the marriage they have, or just complaining about it. Do you think that we could shoot for something better than these dysfunctional families of ours. God's word today shows you that's something better. God's word shows us what functional families look like. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shows us today that functional families, 
see Christ. I mean, you, you, you read through this text and you can't miss it. Functional families see Christ. Just scan through those verses of our text there from, from Ephesians and look at how many times the Holy Spirit tells us to do something for someone else, not because of who they are or what they deserve, but because of Christ, right? If you're counting, it's eight. Eight times. The Holy Spirit tells us to to do something for Christ, out of reverence for Christ, out of love for God. You see, sin wasn't the end of Adam and Eve's family. Yes, it brought pain and problems, but then God came with a promise. And God's promise made a difference, and they went on to parent the human race. Sin isn't the end for your family either. Yes, it causes pain and problems, but God has given you a promise. He's promised you Jesus. Jesus came to deal with that sin. He loved you so much that he died for you to take that sin away. And you know that. So see that. Do you see why the Holy Spirit, when he's talking about what to do in your family, he keeps telling you to do it out of reverence for Christ? Seeing Christ. Instead of focusing on the sin or the sinner and letting that tear apart your marriage and your family, he says, out of reverence for Christ. That's how you act. That's how a Christian acts. In fact, this section, our text, is part of a larger section of this letter to to Ephesians where Paul is talking about what it looks like to live as a Christian. Even linguistically, our whole text is, is, is headed by one participle that is modifying a main verb earlier in chapter 5 here. And so we're going to kind of walk through that a little bit. Paul, earlier in the chapter, the main verb that kind of governs this whole thing is where he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about faith. He's talking about what it looks like to be a Christian. And he says that is marked when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you go through and there's a list of these participles, each modifying that main verb. So, We back up. In verse 18, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 19, he describes that with a participle, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, let God's word be on your lips. That's what a Christian does, right? You talk about Jesus. And then there's another participle. So be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing and making music in your hearts to God, worshiping him. That's what a Christian does. And then be filled with the Holy Spirit, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So seeing the positives in life, being grateful, being being appreciative to God for all of his goodness, that's what a Christian does. And then we get to the fourth participle. We get to the one that heads our section as he describes this last one in, in pretty decent detail. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting to one another. In other words, fulfilling the roles that God has given you in your family. And he 
breaks down that submitting. He talks about wives to their husbands and children to their parents and employees to their employers, all in different way, but all showing that respect and honor to the, to, to the authority that Christ has put into someone, a position that he has given them. So he says, submit, out of reverence for Christ. And don't worry, submitters, He's got even harder words for the ones to whom you are to submit. He says, husbands, give up your lives for your wives. Really, I mean, that's the level of sacrifice that he's talking about. He says, dads, do the really difficult things to bring your children up in God's word, even if it makes you unpopular. And there's more. But before, before we get into all of that, we have to understand why. We cannot get distracted from what is at the heart of all of this. We can't get distracted from why this works. And first of all, I want to say that it doesn't work because it's the world's greatest listicle of all time, right? The top three things to do for a happy, healthy family. You see it on the magazine headline, right? That's not what this is. This is not a to-do list. Husbands lead, wives submit, children obey. Do those three things and boom, happy family. No, this is not a to-do list. He makes that very clear. It is a to-be list, be what made you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is how that plays out. Because you see, if we make it a to-do list, all we're going to get is frustrated because we're going to be looking at other people who don't seem to be checking all the boxes on their to-do list. No, it's a to-be list. Be the Christian you are. Showing that Christ-like love and sacrifice. Every part of the functioning family sees Christ not the failure of others. That's how this works. That's how this works. The functioning family sees Christ. And I know that there are all sorts of examples of people out there saying, you know, this whole traditional model of marriage and family, it just doesn't work. That was so Middle Ages. It's not like that anymore. Well, that's just because they're looking at the traditional model as a to-do list that never got done, and that's not what it is. It's a to-be list. God wants us to see that. And he's not shy about saying it. We, we already talked about how many times. Eight times. He tells us to do for others. To sacrifice ourselves in one way, shape, or form. Because Jesus. Right? Husbands lead because Jesus. Wives submit because Jesus. Kids obey because Jesus. Dads be the head because Jesus. Moms be the heart because Jesus. I mean, just kind of walk through this here, right? Submit to one another. That's verse 21. So take up your assigned roles out of reverence for Christ because you respect Jesus. Verse 22, wives submit to your husbands not because he is worth it, not because he deserves it, but as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives not because she's pretty, even though she is, not because she, she deserves it and she treats you right, even though she might. But, but do it. Sacrifice. Give up of yourself just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
And now look at how that goes on. This next part is so important because of how horribly we so often fail at what he just told us to be. And I'll be the first husband to admit that that I don't deserve anyone to love or submit to me. My, My pride too often makes... It's so hard to sacrifice my, my rights or even more my, my being right. I don't deserve my wife to submit to me. Our, our marriage should not have, have lasted this long. But God says, he tells us not to, to love our spouse because they deserve it, but because of Jesus. He tells us to do what we do, what he tells us to do, because that's a way for us to show our love for the one that we can't see. He gives us someone we can, that we can treat as Jesus. Remember the mask from the children's sermon? Because, husbands, your sacrifice And wives, your submission, that's simply a part of your faith. Showing your love for Jesus. That's the truth. Functional families see Christ because they see the role that Jesus filled first. True God, he gave himself completely for us. Becoming a human Submitting to the, 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 the pain and the sacrifice, suffering death. True God, he deserved all glory and honor, but, but he didn't demand it. He willingly submitted. He put himself under his Father's will. So you see, submission is not some kind of weakness. It is amazing strength of love. So when you fulfill your role, even when you don't want to, That's simply demonstrating Christ that much more powerfully. Jesus willingly did that to show what real love is. He did that to be our Savior. And look at how Paul describes it. He did that, verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus did what he did so that we can be what we aren't. And so Jesus asks us to treat others as if they are what they aren't. But instead, as if the one we are treating is Jesus. And then he says it. He says, this is a profound mystery. And he explains the mystery. He says, when I'm talking about marriage, I'm also talking about Christ and his church. The relationship between us sinners and a holy God seemed hopeless. Our sin separates us from him. It causes pain and frustration and sadness and the seeming inability to do anything to fix it. Because we are sinners and he is holy. But you know what happened there. Jesus came. He came to treat us like we didn't deserve. He's talking about Christ 
and the church. So Paul says, when, when, when you're in that dark place and it seems hopeless, remember, he's talking about Christ and the church. Jesus fixed it. And so we love him. He fulfilled his role to make you what you are not. He made you holy so that now you can have, you do have a relationship with God. And it's a beautiful thing to see how much God loves you. And it's the same for you children, right? Obey your parents even when you don't want to. Not because they are all that, even though they may be, but because you love God and God told you to do that and that's a way to show love to God. And Paul says this is the first commandment with a promise. It turns out better for you when you do that. Not just because you're listening to God, but because you're listening to the ones that he's given you to to help and take care of you. And they have your best interests in mind. I mean, this is is a principle that, that, that plays across all the things that God tells us to do. He tells us to do them not to make us suffer, but because they are good for us. So husbands and wives, children and parents, fulfill your roles. And when you do, when you do what God tells you to do, it It just works better. It does. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's not going to be any dysfunction in your family. There will. It's called sin. And sin has consequences, which is why it always has to be all about Jesus. He took the consequences of our sins so that we don't have to take them out on one another. Instead, we can give each other the love that Jesus won. And more and more, we can grow to function as families that are filled with the Spirit. We can be functioning families that see Christ. May God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed printed on page 12 in the bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten of the made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be